0: all right like i said before we are going to be in the letter to the philippians in chapter two and i've titled today's message sanctification the work of god in the believer the work of god in the believer before we get started i'm gonna i'm gonna pray for us father god lord i just stand before you right now lord and I feel the weight. Father, Lord, I just pray that um, you would give me your words to speak to your people. Lord, they wouldn't be any words of my own. Father, I just pray that we would hear from you today, and Lord, that our lives will be changed. We know that when we come into a realization of the truth, We know that we are changed. We either go further away from it or we draw closer to it. Father, I pray for the latter. Father, I pray that our our eyes and our hearts and our minds would be open to your truth, Lord, that we would not just accept it, Lord, but obey it. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. I just continue to lift up Kevin to you right now. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would give him a, a quick healing, minimal pain. Lord, he would just be back to his his wanted and needed health. Father, we just thank you for a successful surgery. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, sanctification. It was one of those words that went when me and my family walked in here. I heard Kevin stand up here and talk about sanctification and I thought I've never heard that word in my entire life and you might be sitting there today going, I have never heard that word in my entire life or I don't know what that means and um, it's it has a simple meaning but it has a very deep meaning. It's like all things of God. It's simple and it's in its word form but it's so deep in the way that it works. So you might ask the question, where does sanctification come from? When does sanctification start? Do we have a role to play in sanctification? And what does it even mean, right? So when you go to Webster, he's a smart guy, but he doesn't know everything. It says, sanctification is set To set apart or declare holy, to free from sin or purify. So he got pretty close this time, uh, if I don't mind saying. You know, if you've been in in Bible study any at all, that you will know that um, in the Old Testament it speaks a lot of sanctification. I think it's mentioned twenty-something odd times in the New Testament, but a lot of times it is mentioned in the Old Testament. Um, God sanctifies things. He sanctifies a people for Himself and and namely the Israelites. We'll look at that real quick. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 in verse 6 it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. And He has chosen you Out of all the peoples who were on the face of the earth. Now, we know there was nothing special about the Israelites other than God chose them. They weren't any different than any other people on the face of the earth. Their their people group might have been a little smaller, a little weaker, but there was nothing different about them for God to choose them as His chosen people. Now, it says, uh, well, go on to verse 11 for me, Nathan. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. So, God chose a people. He sanctified, He set them apart. God sanctified them. He commanded them to live as sanctified people. He says, this is what I've done for you. Now live as these people. Again, in uh, Leviticus Chapter 20, because God's gracious work in sanctifying them, he says, Consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I have sanctified you. Now act like I have sanctified you is basically what he's saying. So, you see several instances. I'm just giving you some examples here. That's not what I'm going to be preaching over because Leviticus is so hard to even completely understand. I would not even try to, to preach in Leviticus. Several instances in the Old Testament, you see God sanctifying things. He sets things apart. And every single time, whether it be land, whether it be days, whether it be people, He sets it apart for a purpose. He sets it apart for himself and for a purpose. Remember that. So as we move into the New Testament, sanctification has the basic same meaning. It might look different just because of the, um, on what side of the te- New Testament that we're living in because then they didn't have Jesus. They looked forward. We're looking back now. They were looking forward to the promises. We're just carrying, that, we're riding on those promises. That's already happened. So Jesus died. We're just waiting for his return. That's the promise we're waiting on right now. So, moving along. Sanctification has the same meaning. How many in here are, have heard of the Westminster Confession of Faith? Anybody ever heard of that? Just a few. If you want to teach your kids, if you want your kids, if you want to have a deeper understanding of the Bible, Am I dying here? Okay. If you would like to have a deeper understanding, that's where I would point you. If you want to know the deeper things of God, if you want to understand doctrine and what I mean is by the Bible, explaining the Bible, go there. This is probably the best, uh, probably the best definition of sanctification I've ever heard. And it's, all it is is basically questions. The catechism is basically the easiest place to go to it. It asks a question, it gives an answer. It's the Bible answering the question. That's it. This thing, I think it's been around since the 1600s, and it is solid as a rock. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 35, if you want to write it down and go check me, says that sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. We are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. Now, let's break that apart. It is the work of God's free grace. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse th- 13, it says, But we ought always to give thanks to you to god for you brothers beloved by the lord because god chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth the work of god's free grace you don't choose yourself to be sanctified no more than you choose yourself to be justified only the one who can justify who can justify you is the one who justifies you that's pretty plain, right? There's nothing I can do to merit justification. There's nothing I can do to merit sanctification. It is God's free grace. Secondly, by which our whole person is made new in the image of God. Did you get that? Our whole person is made new in the image of God. Ephesians 4:23 and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a new self. We don't have the new self. We don't don't make the new self ourself. A, A better version of yourself is not an image of God. You have to have God's power to be anything like God. Naturally, we are haters of God. What would make us wake up one day and go, "What? you know what, I'm going to love God today. I hated him yesterday, but I'm going to love him again. It doesn't work like that. You need God to love God. And we are made more and more able to become dead to sin. We need that, right? I need that. Let's look at that. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Skip down to verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And then drop down to verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you Since you are not under the law, but under grace. We are made more and more able to become dead to sin. Because this, because sin no longer has a grip on us. Do we sin? Yes, we sin. But we are made more and more able to die to sin. Why? Because we were coming more and more like Christ. That's the ultimate goal, right? That's why we're still here. And and the last point was, we are alive to righteousness. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Probably one of the best statements. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. The law could not do anything. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You cannot walk according to the Spirit without God. God has to place the Spirit in you you, before you can walk in the Spirit. All we know before then is walk in the flesh. As a matter of fact, we probably don't even see our sin. It's only till you come to God's word that we see what a sin is that I know I actually sin. All I know is I've just been living my life. Have I been living it for me? Yeah, that's what everybody does, right? This is different. When when God places his spirit inside you, you live differently. You always look different. If I have something new in me, and that something is a perfect spirit, of course I'm going to look different. We're going to see what the problem is here in a minute, though. All right, so it's completely a work of God. I want you to understand that it's completely a work of God. Justification, completely a work of God. And immediately, when you are justified, your sanctification begins. We'll see today that the God who justifies also sanctifies. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. We're going to see this plan of redemption unfolding here. The Father initiates the plan. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. And Ephesians 1 is probably one of the greatest chapters in the whole entire Bible because it shows you how all three persons of the Trinity are involved in your walk involved in your conversion involved in everything about what's going on in your christian life it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The Father shows us before the foundation of the world. That ought to bring you some comfort like you ain't never had. You didn't have to do a thing. God chose you, Christian. God chose you before the foundation of the world. (coughs) And he predetermined our, our adoption as his children through Jesus Christ. You will notice everything comes through Jesus Christ. The Father is the overseer of salvation, and he oversees the process from beginning to end. Now, the Son accomplishes that redemption. We know, right? How do we know that? Same chapter of Ephesians. Go down to verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. In, in who? Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, Everything the Father does for our salvation, He does through Christ. The work of Jesus brings about redemption. It brings about adoption to the Father. It brings about sanctification. And then our end result is glorification. Everything comes through Jesus. The Holy Spirit then applies the work of redemption to our lives. Let's look at verse 13. Same chapter. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is, in the, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that serves as a seal, establishing us as, as children of God a seal, establishing us as the children of God, when this comes, the gift of faith, and and it's it's basically the ability to believe. This is what happens. You have no ability to believe in God and believe what he has done apart from God. You have no faith until God gives it to you. When you see that and knowing that you have faith now, you know it's only a gift of God. That limits, that, that pushes myself completely out of the way. God, uh, Paul was big about saying, it's not about works, right? Because if I do something, I had something to do with it. So if I say that I have absolutely nothing to do with my salvation, absolutely nothing to do with me beginning sanctification, All the pressure's off me and I have nothing to brag about. I'm either going to boast or I'm going to go into despair because I'm not thinking I'm doing enough to keep it it going. So, what I want you to see, and this is hard, but if you just keep up with me, I think you're going to see it. There is a past, there is a present, and there is a future to our sanctification. There is a past, there is a present, And there's a future. Past, what I mean by that is it's the initial sanctification. It's what big smart people call definitive sanctification. It's our position. You are justified. You are made holy immediately in position. You are made holy. You've heard me say it before. We're holy. We don't look that way, do we? Sometimes. You are made holy in position. Look at Hebrews (coughs) 10.10. And by that will, we have been sanctified. Past tense. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 1 Corinthians 1.2 To the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified. They had not reached perfection yet. But they're sanctified. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints together with all those who are in every place. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Sanctified. Past tense. And then again in 1 Corinthians six eleven, And such were some of you, but you were washed. Remember, this is where Paul's going through this list of all these things. You were uh, adulterers, all these things that, are, that are, the world is, you were but, and such were some of you, but you were washed you were sanctified still not perfected, but they're sanctified you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God now that's your beginning, right? That's your definitive. That's your position in Christ, no matter what. We don't reach a certain point. I mean, God knows the point that he's going to take our life. But we don't, we're not trying to get to a mark of holiness here before we can say, okay, now we can go home to be with the Lord. What you need to know is that when you're justified, you are sanctified in position. So if you're justified today and you get smacked by a car tomorrow, You're going to be with the Lord. You're sanctified. There's comfort in that, knowing that I don't have to hit a mark. Should I pursue it? Of course I should. So there's an end goal, too. There's what's called glorification. This is our perfected sanctification. This is where there is no more sin. You don't deal with it anymore. This is where I'm not being sanctified. I am sanctified it's the state that I'm going to be in for eternity because of God. So Philippians 3 starting in verse 20 it says, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself." And Romans 8:29 For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen. We don't stay in this state. We don't fight in this state. But guess what? We're wholly in position when we're saved. We're perfected in our final state, but what in the world is going on right now? Because this is something we battle with, right? So this is going to be our main focus. It's called progressive sanctification. You've probably heard me explain it over over the years before. When you're justified, you cross this line. Just imagine there's a line here, and you're here, and you can't fall back below this line. But sanctification... Oh, sanctification. When you zoom out, it probably looks something like this. There's a starting point, and I'm going up and up and up and up and up and up, and then pow, bam, and it looks something like this. Because we know ourselves better than anybody, don't we? And do you feel holy every day? Do you feel holy in your action every day? No, we don't. If we zoom in on days, if we zoom in on weeks, we're going to be very disappointed in ourselves at some points in our life. But when you zoom out and you take a, a bird's eye view of this thing, of the whole you should see that you're going up. That you're growing in holiness. And if you're not, you should ask why. You should ask why. This is the goal. To grow in holiness, right? So Our main focus is going to be progressive sanctification because this is where all living, breathing Christians are at right now. None of us have perfected this thing. None of us are living sinless. There are actually religions that teach that, that you can actually get to such a point that you reach sinlessness in this life. Now, The only problem with that is, is if I do sin, who do I blame it on? If I I think that God can get me to a place of sinlessness here, and I sin, who's to blame? Now, one of the things that you will think about as we go along, and I hope you do, because I hope you get the same headache that I did, because this will literally explode your brain. Who is doing this? We're being sanctified. Who is doing this? Is it God? Is it me? Is it both of us? So we'll come back to that. So praise God that we've been sanctified and praise God that we will be sanctified in the end. But John chapter 17, let's go there. we are going to read the whole thing. But we're going to ask the question, how sanctification is brought about? How, how How do we get there? So... Here Jesus is praying what I think some of your translations will say, the high priestly prayer. And the Son is praying to the Father in perfect unity, and he is praying for the disciples. You know, there's examples, um, I think in Matthew is one of them, where he says um, the Lord's Prayer. This is how you should pray. This is not that prayer. This is Jesus praying directly to the Father. And he's praying for his disciples. And he's he's praying for a unity. And not just any unity, but he's praying for a unity grounded in the truth, right? And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them holy. Holy. In the truth, your word is truth. We are sanctified in the truth by the word of God. In justification and in our initial sanctification, God is the only acting agent. He's the only one that's accomplishing these things, right? Now, we all know that we can't live and breathe and move outside of God's will. Our very next breath comes from God. It's all grace. It's all mercy. But there is a responsibility in the Christian. And we're going to see that. In our verses, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, this is going to confuse you so bad because it did me. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, wait, I'm in the wrong one. I'm so tore up. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. He's saying do something, right? Work out is doing something. For it is God who works in you. Who's doing the work? If he's saying to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, God is not scared of God. I'm supposed to work this thing out in fear of trembling, but then God is at work in you. So the answer is, who's doing it? Me or God? Yes. There's your your answer, yes. There's your answer. It is not possible to be sanctified without God. We know that. But we also know that we are not robots. But I also know that I can't bend my finger outside the knowing, the the foreknowledge, the the sovereignty of God. I can't bend my finger. He knew I was going to do that before I even thought about it. Now, with that being said, we still have a role to play in our Christian walk. There, Years ago, and I hope it's not still around, there used to be this saying of let go and let God, right? And what did that do? That basically said, I'm going to sit down and everything is you, God. You just, you just take over. Now, as good as that sounds, does it actually happen? Think about it. If I'm supposed to be obedient in something, God is not going to grab me up and force me and walk my legs for me, is he? You got to go. You have to go. If I'm going to be obedient, I have to go. If I sit back and wait on God, I'm just sitting. Nothing good comes out of that. Nothing good. Now, don't get me wrong. You can get so sided on the other side. To where they what is it called a, a pietist. It's work, 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 work. I can't do enough work, and that's all I'm gonna do. And I get to a point where I'm either this way over here and saying, "You just do it all, God," or I'm gonna, I can't even let you in. I'm not, I can't. I don't have time to even spend with you, God, because I'm working so much. And either way you go, you're wrong. There's a balance. There is a balance to everything. We can sit here and say that God chose his people. You can sit here and say that God chose Noah to do something, but what did Noah do? Did God pick him up and make him go pick up the logs to make the boat? He did it. It was faith. We are moved by faith. So, how in the world... Do you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure? You fear God because you fear disobeying God. That's how you do it. Because you have such a love for God that you want to obey him. Like Kevin preached weeks ago, we have such a low view of God, such a low view. We have such a high view of ourselves, that's that's what that's what we make out of it. When you put him in perspective of how big he actually is and how little you actually are, and the fact that he wanted to save you when you didn't deserve it, that's where the love comes from. That's where the love for his word and love to obey comes from. So, like I said, we are not robots. And we still have a role to play. Paul says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we should have this healthy fear, right? We should have a healthy fear. When I sin, I think about this, just as, just as an earthly father, let's put yourself there, just as an earthly father. You love your child with everything you have, right? When they're, and they're your child. When they disobey you, Do you love them so much that you just let them get away with it? You don't. Why? You you love them so you're not going to let them disobey you. You love them so you want them to be people that you can send out in the world that people don't don't hate, right? You don't want to send a problem into the world, but you love them so much that you want them to, to have a a good life. You want them to be loved by others. You want them to find their mate. You want them to be desired, right? Now, we're imperfect. Think about a perfect father. Does does God let us get away with sin sometimes and with no punishment? He sure does. Should he? Probably not. But that's his mercy. That's when we should turn to him and say, I deserve whatever's coming to me. But if you don't punish me, then praise you. I'll praise you. I'll praise you no matter what. But there are some times when you can get so wrapped in sin, Christian, you will be punished because God is a good father. Now, The problem we have here is sanctification means growing in holiness and we're still wrapped in flesh. Now, I think one of the best representations of this is probably um, the story of Lazarus. We all know that story, right? Mary and Martha send to Jesus and they say, come, he's sick, he's going to die. And Jesus waits. Matter of fact, he's four days dead by the time he gets there. A lot of commentators said that Jesus was making sure he was good and dead. That way when, when he showed up, there would be no arguing that it was a miracle. And everybody knew, those that even had account of it said that we knew that you could heal him of this disease. Why did you show up late? And, and Jesus was about to show his power. Because we all knew, and they all knew, that God had the power to raise the dead. I mean, he brought us out of nothing. He spoke and and made this world out of nothing. So Jesus is showing his deity here. And he says, move the stone away. They move the stone away. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And here comes Lazarus, wrapped up like a mummy. They didn't embalm back then, so they said when they were rolling the stone away, Mary and Martha were, were probably pretty embarrassed because he stunk. Now, this is a picture of God raising a dead man was completely dead, and now he's alive, and he's wrapped in these clothes, and he says, take them off. But how we're most like him is we're raised from the dead in our, in our state here. We're in the same body. We still stink. That's the problem. We still stink. We've been raised from dead to death to life, and we still stink. We're wrapped in these grave clothes still. We're still wrapped in the flesh. So, with that being said, we have a battle to fight here. And it doesn't end until we end. It doesn't end until you draw your last breath. It's no wonder that Paul called this the race. It's no wonder that Nick preached to us so many times about not giving up. That's what the Bible says. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because it could be real easy. It'd be real easy to give up. But I'm telling you, when you realize what you're throwing away, you will regret every minute of it. So, I forgot which direction I'm headed in, so let me get my bearings back together. Okay, so it would be real nice if God could just take over. It'd be real nice if we could just bump to maximum sanctification, if we didn't have to fight this fight. If we could just put her in autopilot and let God take off of it, it would be real nice. But we have way too many calls to obedience in the Bible to say that that's even possible. One writer that I looked at said justification on the basis, basis of Christ's death for us is the foundation of sanctification, not the other way around. Justification on the basis of Christ's death for us is the foundation of sanctification, not the other way around. The only sin we can fight against successfully is a forgiven sin. It makes sense, don't it? Without a once-for-all justification through Christ, the only thing that our striving for holiness produces is despair and self-righteousness. Either I feel so holy, or I feel like I can't even come close. The work of God in justification does not make sanctification optional. It makes it possible. There is a necessity for pursuing a holy life. This is something in our time, and I'm sure in times before, People have struggled to care about, right? Very seldom do you ever even hear this word spoken amongst huge audiences. It's very apparent that our so-called church, not here, but as a whole, the church in this country does not care about holiness. Very apparent. You call yourself a church, but you don't care about holiness. Something's wrong. And you know, the church as a whole is a group. But that group is made up of individuals. You know, there was an old song years ago, and I'm I'm not even sure how it completely goes anymore, but it said, it starts with me. Maybe the church is not the problem, Maybe the people are the problem, right? Maybe it ain't the whole group. Maybe it's the individuals that are the problem. And you know, I, I got to thinking, what, what, are some of the, what are some of the falls that, I, that I've had, the pitfalls I've had in my own walk, and probably some of you might be having too. One quick thing to go to whenever we're thinking about the holiness of God or our, our walk with Christ or where we stand at that point in time is we want to look at the world. And compare ourselves to that. I mean, you could take anybody in jail, and I could probably go, well, I'm not there. I didn't do that. That's easy to hit that mark, right? It's easy to do better than somebody who you can clearly see that is, is not in a good point in their life. I'm not on drugs right now. So I could point to somebody I knew was on drugs and say, well, at least I'm not there, so I feel okay about myself. That's not the mark you're looking for. That's not your standard. That is not your standard. When you look at yourself compared to Christ, where do you line up? There's a huge gap. A huge gap. Another mistake that I, that I, that I found myself doing is hanging God's grace around my neck like I've got a VIP pass. To just say whatever and do whatever I want because God's got me covered. The world is watching us. And what should terrify us even more than that is God is too. That should scare us to death. As a Christian, that should still scare you to death because you're not above punishment. As Christians, our life's goal should be to bring glory to God, not just in church. Not just when we're around our church family, everywhere, all day. Progressive sanctification is an ongoing work of God's grace because no believer will reach perfect sinlessness in this life. There's some comfort in that as well. You're not trying to reach perfection here. There's not a chart that you're trying to get to this point at this At this moment, you just need to be growing in holiness. That's the whole point. Since we're not sinless or perfected at salvation, this is the the very reason that Paul... I might have skipped a few, Nathan, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Can you... uh, Say an amen to that. I want to do right. Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God. He loves it in my inner being. But I see my members, in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. What a battle is going on inside of each one of us. I want to do right. But yet my members are fighting against me to do wrong. Paul goes on to say in verse 24, Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, what you're going to find in sanctification, growing in holiness, Paul knew the same thing that Isaiah knew. The more I grow in holiness... The more I see the holes in my own life. What did Isaiah say? He he stepped into the presence of God and he said, Woe is me. I deserve to, to die right now because I see how holy you are and I see how holy I'm not. Paul understood the same thing and here we have the same response, right? wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? We are all wrapped in this body of death. Who will deliver us? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. We are wrapped in death. Now, even though we know sinless perfection is not possible in this life, Christ-likeness should still be our main goal. We can ask simple questions like, How can I be a better husband? Be more like Christ. How can I be a better employee? Be more like Christ. Every question you come to in life, How can you be better? Be more like Christ. Now that's easy to say that, ain't it? It's real easy to say, ah, just be like Christ. What was that old saying, be like Mike, back in the day, be like Christ. But here's the problem. When we find that we struggle to be like Christ, could it be that we really don't understand what it means? If you want to know what Christ is like, where do you go? We can't be Christ-like if we don't know what Christ is like, do we? And I'm telling you, from my own experience, Sunday will not get you there. Sunday alone will not get you there. This brother stands up here week after week, and I'm talking about Kevin, stands up here week after week, pouring his heart out to each and every one of us because he cares that much about each and every one of us. And Nick did the same thing, till they were blue in the face. And I'm telling you, until you know the work that is put in, and he, he don't want any, any credit for any of it, because he knows it'll all be worth it. But he stands up here till he's blue in the face, pleading for us to get in the word, to hear what he has to say. And yet think of how some of us live. And I think about the way that I've left out of here some days. And how I've carried my week on. And I'm a mess. But the goal is Christ's likeness. And if you never pick this book up, if you never read this book for yourself, if you rely on Sunday to get there, you're going to miss the mark. I'm telling you right now, you're going to miss the mark. And I'm sure at some point in our lives, every one of us can raise our hand and say amen to that. That when you veer away from this right here, and you veer away from this right here, it ain't going to be too long till you veer away from this right here. It's not important to you anymore. You don't search it out anymore. And we can blame it on whatever we want to blame it on. We can blame it on, well, I just don't have time. I don't have time to get in the Word. But I'm telling you, if you have a love for God, that's all that matters. I will find time. Even if it's on my phone, even if I have to, I'm riding down the road in my semi-truck and I have to turn it on on audio, I'm going to listen to God's word. I'm going to preach it to myself. Because I'm telling you, without it, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. I'm not telling you you won't be saved, but I'm telling you you are in trouble. If you wait till the storm comes to start looking for the shelter and not know where the shelter is, if you wait till it comes, it is too late. If you wait till the battle comes before you figure out that I've got a sword in my hand and I don't know what to do with it, you're in trouble. Now, I want to give you some comfort here, so let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul is saying don't lose heart. Don't give up. Now, You have to ask the question why we are being renewed day by day. And if you'll jump back just to verse 7 in that same chapter, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this, Paul was talking about ministry, but it's we have the gospel of Jesus Christ in jars of clay here. How durable are jars of clay? And he says, you have to be renewed day by day. That tells me one thing. We leak. We leak. Whatever was poured in today will be gone tomorrow. And when you think about this, it makes perfect sense. I can't, and I'm going to be quoting a little bit out of one of John Piper's sermons that has been burnt into my brain because it made so much sense to me he said you cannot run on yesterday's gas today it's gone it's depleted it's never to be seen again you i can't take ibuprofen yesterday and have a headache today and go well i took ibuprofen yesterday it's gone it's depleted Now, he asked the question, why can't we just go to maximum sanctification and then we don't have to mess with this day-to-day renewal? Why can't we do that, God? Why can't I just be sinless? And the fact that you need gas day by day puts you in the station. You keep coming back because you know yesterday is gone. The mercies of yesterday are gone. Like Jesus said, don't fret for tomorrow tomorrow. today's got enough trouble, right? It's the same way. I'm running on today's mercies now. We feel those, right? But they're not going to do you any good tomorrow. So what would would be the point of coming in here on Sunday and thinking that's going to last me through the week? I can't eat today and think by Wednesday I'm going to be in good shape, can I? I'll be starving to death. It's the same way in our spiritual walk. This will not get it. I mean, you might be sitting there right now and going, I don't know, a thing in the world is, you might not get anything out of today. Then go home and study your Bible, please, because you will not make it tomorrow off of my big mouth blurting today. It's not going to happen. So, knowing that we must be renewed day by day because we leak, you've got to come to this day by day. Day-by-day day renewal. Now, if we do that, and we know that yesterday's mercies don't cover today, and we know that the God has designed this for a reason, it's for His glory. It's, it's because you need to come back for more. He's going to show you that you deplete, that you leak. This is the reason He sanctifies us slowly. This is the reason this is called a walk. Not a leap, not a jump. It's a walk, and it's a slow walk. And it might look something like one step forward and two steps back at some point. But it's a walk. Do not give up. Be renewed day after day. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of, of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. One glory to the next glory to the next glory. When we keep close to Him in prayer, because you got got to talk to God too, right? He's talking to you here. Response, praise, concerns, whatever it might be. As we keep close to Him in prayer and we are studying and obeying, not just reading. I'm going to tell you, I got into a point where I thought that reading was just a check mark. And I could go, yep, read it. And i have a clue in the world what it was talking about. And I, and, and I kept thinking, just meditate on that verse all day long. And at the end of the day, I still didn't know what it was talking about. Study, study. Study to show yourself approved. Study and obey. And living in fellowship with like-minded people. We go from one glory to another glory, to another glory. And this is what sanctification looks like. We might be at all different levels in here right now. I'm sure we are. I'm sure there's several of y'all that are at a higher level than I am. But the, the, the point is, is we are moving in the direction together. It's no wonder that Jesus prayed for unity amongst his disciples. How can we grow in holiness together if we can't even agree? We cannot be sanctified apart from the word of God, and so we must strive, strive. I said strive. We've got to work. We've got to work to cultivate a deep love for the word of God. It's, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. you got to have it. Whether you read it, whether you listen to it, whether somebody reads it to you, you study it together, whatever it is, you've got to have it every day. Cultivate a love for it. When I think of cultivate, I think you've got to turn something up, right? Sometimes I really don't want to pick this thing up. But whenever I understand that I cannot live without it, I can't make it day by day. I can't make it. I picked it up yesterday, so I'm good today. I can't do that. When I realize that, That cultivates it. I've got to have it, God. I have got to have your word. I've got to know what you say. So, if you don't have it, what's the way do you get it? Number one, you've got to pray for it. Because this is God working in you. And if you want to have a deep love for the word of God, ask him to give it to you. Ask him to give you the time whatever it might be, ask him for it. If you go to him for it, when it's his word, did I end early today? No, I did not. I'm sorry. Dale, if y'all want to come back up. I think the takeaways from this is we are all in a process right now. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, you are in a process right this moment. And I don't know where you stand. I don't even know if you're a child of God, so if you're not, then I, I beg and I plead with you today. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. If you got questions about that, come and talk to me. But know, believer, that you are being sanctified now. And if you can't see it in your life, then you've got to be be crying out to God. What are you being distracted by? Do I even have a, a love for God's word? Do I even care that I'm being sanctified? Those are questions that we have to ask ourselves. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves, right? It doesn't just mean, did I wake up today? Do I still have my Bible? Did I go to church? Examine yourself in your faith. Do I live my life in such a way that I show that I trust God? Not for others to see, for my own confirmation. Others are going to see that. They're going to see the love you have for God. You don't have to tell them. They'll see that. By the way you live your life. One of Nick's favorite sayings that he, he had, that, that one, other one of those that's burned in and I use it all the time, is you can tell me all day long what you believe. I tell you all day long what I believe, but I know what you believe by the way you live your life. You can wear Christian shirts all day long, and I've seen this happen. Matter of fact, it happened at my house one day. Guy had a Christian shirt on and words flying out of his mouth that I've never heard God speak of. You can, you can, you can wear the Christian shirts. You can slap the bumper stickers on your car, but do you live it? Do you live it like you believe it?